Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. And today, we're going to tell you the story behind Nick DeVries' crazy 24 hours in Monza. It was the ultimate job interview for a 2023 Formula One contract. At last weekend's Singapore Grand Prix, we were all delighted to see Alex Albon back in the car after an emergency appendectomy and serious complications ultimately requiring him being put on a ventilator. It was because he couldn't drive in Monza that Nick de Vries was thrust into the limelight, scoring points on a stunning debut drive. And now Autosport sources expect him to partner Yuki Tsunoda at AlphaTauri next season. Today, we find out about his 60-minute warning to suit up, his circuitous route into Formula One, and whether that was even looking likely before his tipped move to AlphaTauri. And after scoring points on his debut, which other drivers have done the same in Formula One? Let's get up to speed with Autosports. Jake Boxall leg Hey, JBL. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> delighted to be able to talk about all you, things Nick DeVries. You wrote a fantastic piece for our subscribers on Autosport Plus on Nick DeVries and that, that crazy 24 hours that he had in Italy. What was it about this story that attracted you to write something about him? To be honest with you, I've known Nick on and off since 
since kind of 2018, back when I was uh, Formula 2's press officer. And so I've kind of kept an eye on his career, um, obviously winning Formula 2 the season after, but then sort of hitting a sort of little bit of a, a bump in the road, let's say, with regards to aspirations to get into F1. And now the fact that he's finally had that chance to show what he can do, there's just so many consequences of that, not just for him, but I think for, for other drivers as well, uh, Formula One and I guess the relationship with Formula E, it's, there's, there's lots of sort of different tangents that we can pick at. So it's just a, it's just a really good story as well to see uh, someone that was on the brink of F1 for so long actually get a chance and, and show what he can do. Well, fill us in then. It all began with his Saturday morning coffee, probably probably basking in a bit of satisfaction. He had a Friday outing for Aston Martin. It went pretty well. Vettel gave him some compliments afterwards about his, he rated his feedback. Uh, so he was in the F1 paddock on behalf of Mercedes, who supply Aston. So he's sitting down with his skinny latte. What happened next? I think it was a cappuccino, actually. Of course um, it was, of course. So he was in the paddock club, actually. He was had a cappuccino and he was pretty much sort of ready to go talk to, to guests and do a little presentation or whatever drivers do in the paddock club. I have met the people behind the paddock club before and they do an excellent job in getting all of these drivers to engage with uh, the fans who have spent a lot of money to be part of that. Um Anyway, he was working on his appearance and getting ready to go. And uh, James Vowles, the Mercedes chief strategist, gets on the phone. Nick, you need it down at Williams now because uh, Alex Albon has got appendicitis and they need someone to drive and you're available. You've driven the Williams before, so he's got a seat ready as one of the nominated reserves. Can you go down in and get in? So it was a very much a case of rushing down to the, the Williams pit lane. Uh, getting his overalls on, making sure that the seat still fits, and then getting the uh, you know pedals and, and and the inside of the car changed from because Alex Albon is quite a tall driver, six foot one, and, and Nick is quite quite short. He's uh, five six, I believe. So it was uh, a matter of chopping off a few inches from the 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 overall cockpit and uh, getting him ready to go. And he did in free practice three. How did practice go on that uh, that Saturday? And how did quality go, particularly compared to his teammate, Nicholas Latifi, who has a lot of experience in that Williams car? Well, there was a little bit of kind of overflow in the preparations for, for FP3. And so De Vries, I think he only got about 35 minutes on track, actually. Um, but, you know, sent out on a set of tyres and just kind of told to go around, get used to the car, get get a feel for it, that kind of thing just to get him up to speed. And by the end of the session, he was only a tenth off Latifi, which is, you know, pretty decent given Latifi's been in the car all year and De Vries, has, he's driven it before in, in FP1 at Spain, but that's kind of it. And unlike the Aston FP1 drive as well, he hadn't had the simulator time to kind of prepare for it. So although he knew the Mercedes systems, it was just a case of getting used to the car again. So being a tenth off isn't bad. He did have a little bit of an excursion at the Lesmos, but... You know, it, it's so easy at, at Monza uh, and to pick it out of the gravel trap, that's pretty decent. It was really qualifying where he was really, really impressive and he outpaced Latifi in Q1. He did have a lap time deleted, but his previous time was still enough to to get him through, which was 
you know, a, a fantastic effort and, and to have that kind of consistency off the bat of being able to set two times good enough to get through to, FP, uh, to Q2, sorry. That's that's a, that's a really good feat. He finished 14th overall, so he was knocked out, but he did kind of have a chance to get through and he was uh, in the first sector particularly, he was very, very quick. Got a little bit deep into the uh, chicane, uh, Variante de la Roja, and that was kind of it for his lap. But, you know, he, he had a chance of getting through to Q3, which is unthinkable when you kind of think about, you know, just 12 hours previous, he was, you know, ready to just sit on the pit wall next to Toto Wolf through the weekend. He's now driving in a car and has a very real chance of getting through to Q3. So, that you know, it was... It, it really stood out, I think. And, uh, and P14, you know, I think on pace, probably Williams could have done a little bit more. It, it was what it was, and it was still a good effort. And of course, it was a, a grid dominated by penalties. And the eventual, eventual, by the time it came through late on Saturday night, grid order. And of course, the attention was on the, the title protagonist. Where's Max Verstappen going to be? As for the race, though... How did he go? Now, we know there was no big Monza madness at turn one, no bits of carbon fibre flying everywhere. He settled into a DRS train behind Ricardo, And also, he was driving a car which our listeners might expect, if not to be trundling around at the back of Formula One, not be competitive. What was it about this particular car at this particular racetrack that gave him such a good Sunday afternoon. How did his race go? The thing with the Williams is, which, you know, I think definitely contributes to uh, De Vries's result, is that it's really, really good in a straight line. If you think back to 2009, for example, when the Force India was pretty hopeless everywhere, but at Spa and at Monza, it was really, really good. It had good straight line speed. And when it was in low drag spec, you know, it, it could further that advantage. And so, although the Williams isn't isn't quite as uh, as split as that Force India was, it's it's a decent car. It's just not as good as the others on the grid. When De Vries got off the line, he did hold position. He held eighth. Obviously, Verstappen next to him on the grid um, after his penalties kind of just flew off into the distance and eventually he would win. But De Vries was able to hang on. Uh, and although there were faster cars like Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton, all making up for the, trying to atone for their grid penalties and, and making their way up the order, De Vries remained in the points. And the fact that that Williams was able to sort of cling on to Pierre Gasly and Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris, that kind of DRS train, that kept him in the race, that kept him in the fight. And that was absolutely vital. The fact that he was able to kind of understand how this race was going to go and rather than try anything too outlandish down at turn one or you know throw a nose down the inside and potentially put him out uh, put himself out of position i think he saw the bigger picture and knew that if he could just cling on particularly during the first half of the race before all the pit stops kicked off he would be in a really good position Uh, and that's what he did and sure he had those faster cars uh, attacking him and then later in the race, he had kind of Guan Yu Zhou behind him to try and fight him, really, for, for for what became ninth place. He did really well to hang on. Even after the pit stops, he was outside of that second grace period with DRS behind Gasly and behind Ricardo. I think he was about two to three seconds off. And he was able to put in the laps on those fresh tyres to get back up to them and then remain in that DRS train and let them kind of carry him forward. So I think that was, again, another kind of smart 
driving aspect of his day where he did see that bigger picture and he was like I'm not going to take too many risks here because I want to show what I can do even if a risky move down the inside down at you know turn one or something like that even if that would work the chances are is that it might not we've seen so many people launch a move down the inside and if they've not had the if they've had to kind of dive bomb it just doesn't end well for anybody so I think that was part of it just trying to sort of stay calm stay cool and do what he can with the car without taking too much out of it and then right at the final moment now of course everybody crossed the line under the safety car conditions although the safety car had peeled off no overtaking to the line he knew those in those final laps that he'd secured points but it was after the flag dropped that there was late drama and we heard about an investigation into his driving what was that and how did it end that was so yeah that was under the safety car and they were just coming they come around the first lesmo and um de Vries had a warning on his dashboard that was something along the lines of he was far below the delta time um that you need to be at or above uh, so it just makes sure that you're not speeding under the safety car or anything silly like that even though he was sort of holding formation um the delta time was was well below and he was like why is this the case and he got on the pit wall he was like why have i got such a a low delta time when i'm keeping pace with everybody around them and i think it was just a sort of slight glitch in the system or something like that but so what he had to do was he had to slam on the brakes just to make sure that when he got round to the next sector he was above that time again he had to slam on the brakes and um maybe that i think that was the part that got reported because he wasn't particularly familiar with the systems and because he was he was literally thrown into that car at the last minute the fia did show a little bit of leniency which maybe it's rare maybe it's not but uh i i think it was probably the right call because again it was just uh it wasn't really anything he had much control over uh he did get the 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 reprimand for alleged uh, erratic driving but that that was all he got um which i think i think on the balance of it was was fairy what you know everybody was was moving slowly um he didn't brake test anybody just kind of had to put the anchors on a little bit just to make sure that he was uh getting around at the right time great news that he got to keep his points and keep us turned on dear listener because we are going to take a quick break and then when we're back an amazing stat about Dutch drivers, a look at Nick de Vries's path into Formula One and the somewhat unconventional by modern rules of engagement journey he took. And also, at the end of the podcast, a bit of fun, other Formula One drivers that have scored points on their debut drive. Stick around, back in a sec. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, welcome back to the show. Now, JBL, what is it with this 
points finish for a Dutchman, uh, alongside Max Verstappen, of course, that gave us a somewhat quirky result that Stat fans will truly love. I have checked this. I'm sure there's maybe somebody will point out that I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is the only time in Formula One where two Dutch drivers have scored in a race. So that will make the Dutch fans absolutely (laughs) delighted because... Prior to Max Verstappen, there weren't a lot of successful Dutch drivers. And I think, you know, the most successful one pre-Max was was Jos Verstappen. And there wasn't another Dutch driver on the grid around then who was who was scoring any points. So, um, yeah, it was the, I believe it's the first time two Dutch drivers have scored a point. And it was the first time two Dutch drivers have been on the grid together since 2006 when Christian Albers was driving for Midland and Robert Dornbos was driving for Red Bull. So... Spitting straight facts here. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> let's let's uh, spit some straight facts about his journey, though. So, so you followed Nick DeVries since uh, you were press officer at Formula 2. You followed him through more recent years. But what's, what's his been motorsport journey, his career journey? He's kind of in this... This interesting... I say no man's land, interland, of... You know, he's not graduating from those feeder series as a 19, 20 year old, equally, he's got a few years before his 30th birthday when, you know, the kind of the, the, the tunnel vision in Formula One tends to, to focus on the next big thing. What's been his journey so far? Let's start when when he was in Carsey. He was very, very highly rated and very highly sought after. And he became uh, a, a McLaren junior. He was kind of Ron Dennis's protege back around sort of like 2012, 2013, when he was in uh, Formula Renault Euro Cup. Uh, for for fans of uh, Formula One around then, if you remember the McLaren uh, Tune series, uh, he the, the CGI sort of uh, little comedy series with uh, Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton in it. Uh, he he made a, a starring role on a couple of occasions when he was around sixteen or seventeen years old. Uh, we talked, we spoke about that earlier this year, actually. Um, <laughs> just in case that he ever fancies doing voice acting again, I think he quite enjoyed the experience. Um, but he was a Euro Cup champion in uh, twenty fourteen. Moved up to Formula Renault three point five uh, with Dams, and it, it's a really big step between those two series. I know that. 2.0 and 3.5 it doesn't seem like a big step but it's it, it kind of was at the time but he still finished third overall kind of took the backward step to GP3 uh, had Charles Leclerc and Alex Albon in his team but I don't think he particularly got on with that with that car I think it was a bit difficult for him to reconcile with the backward step but then moved up to F2 uh, in 2017 um did a sort of a weird campaign where he was with Rapax for the first half of the season and Rapax was they'd won the championship in 2010 with uh, Pastor Maldonado but by then it was their last year in F2 and they didn't have the the resources or the money that some of the teams like Prema or ART or Dams had so he did half the season with them and then half the season with Racing Engineering who was also on the way out at that point um, but he had a good season he won he won the, the sprint race at Monaco um, showed a good account of himself but then he was very much in championship contention in 2018, which was the year that I was there. Um, he was part of that pack with George Russell, Lando Norris, Alex Albon. Uh, De Vries finished fourth in that year's championship, but he was every bit as quick as them. Um, really, really good in changeable conditions. Um, the thing that I would kind of notice back then was that he was, you know, he was really, really 
kind of direct with his engineers and knew exactly what he wanted behind the car. And like 90% of the time he was doing really, really good things. But there's just that little 10% sort of slight bit of brain fade or slight bit of over-aggression that would uh, would cause some trouble. So I think that ultimately contrived against him. So he did need a third year. And I know it's not very fashionable amongst those that making the decisions in F1 of which drivers they want to bring through. I think that's the the same situation that Felipe Drogovic is, is kind of facing now, having won it in his third year. But De Vries did win 2019. It wasn't a particularly strong field. But I think at that point, as I said earlier, the kind of the the chances of F1 kind of dried up. So that brought him to, to Formula E with Mercedes. Um, he'd lost his McLaren backing at that point. Mercedes brought him in. Formula E program, kind of a reserve program as well, uh, alongside fellow McLaren cast off uh, Stoffel Van Dorn at Mercedes. <laughs> the team's just been really, really as dominant as it's possible to be in Formula E, let's say. Um, 2020-21, that was a really strange season where I think the top 16 to the top 18 by the time they'd got to Berlin could have theoretically won the championship. Uh, and it might sound a bit fluky, but mm. De Vries was at the top, of, you know, kind of at the front all season. He wasn't as consistent, let's say, as some of the others, but he got the wins where he needed to. And so he kind of got that over the line in a very, very strange and, and inconsistent season. This year's not been quite as good. Stoffel Van Dorn's been the stronger McLaren, um, sorry, Mercedes mm. driver. It'll be McLaren next year. Mm. Um, and, and won the title with this relentless consistency that De Vries just couldn't seem to get his hands on, struggling with brake issues earlier this year. Um, a few incidents of perhaps being a little bit over-aggressive and trying to defend when he didn't need to defend. Uh, there have been a number of, sp- not spats as such, but a few collisions between him and Lucas Degrassi this season and him and Andre Lotter this season. And they're probably the three most aggressive drivers on the grid. So when they get together, it's it is fireworks. So it, it's not been a particularly great year in Formula E and uh, he did just miss out on the top 10 of the uh, official Autosport Formula E rankings. Um, it was a coin flip between him and Nick Cassidy. But mm. even though there's sort of been a few moments where he's had difficult years, it has been a sort of steady upward trend and upward progression you know it might not be the most fashionable junior career but he's won when he's need to, needed to um i you know from personal perspective i think he kind of has proven himself over the years and you know i think formula one's kind of slept on him a little bit so to bring this full circle tell us about what happened in the immediate aftermath of that points finish in monza he was immediately tipped to join williams latifi leaving and partnering alex albon there also tip to join Alpine because they're doing a pretty decent job of letting half-decent drivers slip through their fingers. And now we know, highly tipped, this week we think the announcement will come that he'll be partnering Yuki Tsunoda at AlphaTauri with a deal for Gasly to go to Alpine. What were those initial rumours that swirled after his incredible performance? This is a situation where Williams wants him. You'd want to get a contract in front of him pretty quickly, give him you know a nice two-year deal so that he's not casting his net about for a couple of years and there's that security as well if Alpine makes the offer you know maybe he goes there but what are they going to offer are they going to offer a one-year deal and then bring Doon in for 2024 
are they going to make the same mistake with doing that they do with Piastri? Um, there's there's lots of different variables here. They haven't covered themselves yeah. in glory with the contract negotiations and you know whatever it was, terms of heads or whatever that agreement was that wasn't signed on Piastri's side. So Alpine aren't exactly, I would say, flavour of the month, perhaps with, <laughs> with with the driving community because they haven't treated drivers lately, perhaps best. Whilst the Williams was fast at Monza. Is it fair to say that perhaps Alpine would be the quicker car? As a manager, you'd want to play both sides a little bit to get the best deal for your yes. driver. Yes, you would. And, uh, you know, you'd be leaning on Alpine a little bit, make sure that it's a it's a two-year deal that's, you know, well paid. And then you get Nick that drive. If it's a one-year deal, you get him the Williams drive um, for, for more than that. That's the game I would play because it would suit me better that he was in, in a drive for a couple of years than, than just for one. And as time went on after the race, then the Alpha Tauri conversation started with Pierre Gasly being suggested as going to Alpine. Of course, a big French OEM, already have a Frenchman in Ocon driving for them, could have Gasly there as well, the ultimate French team. And then Red Bull and Christian Horner started playing the politics. And uh, of course, that's what they're very good at and saying, well, we're not going to let him go without either some, you know compensation and a half-decent driver to put inside our Alpha Tauri team. And, of course, Nick De Vries would be more than a half-decent driver to put in that team alongside Yuki Tsunoda next year. So we are just waiting for the announcement. We think this week, we think at least before uh, Suzuka this weekend. All, that's all to come. That's all to come. But we can't let you go without this this brilliant fact of, of him scoring points on his debut. Uh, that whilst it's a very rare thing to do, to score points on your F1 debut. Not only has it been done plenty of times before, but it's actually becoming more common. Um, who are some of those names in the past that you can run through that uh, that have scored points on their first outing? Well, I can think of two names that did it at Williams, which okay. puts uh, De Vries in very exalted company because Nico Rosberg did it in 2006 in Bahrain and he got the fastest lap, I believe, in that race as well. Um that 2006 car wasn't particularly good, but it was very quick at Bahrain. Um, and Jack Villeneuve did it uh, 10 years before Nico Rosberg did it uh, with uh, second place at the Australian Grand Prix. De Vries's Formula E teammate, Stoffel van Dorn, has done it, deputising for an injured Fernando Alonso at Bahrain in 2016. Uh, McLaren got a point. Carlos Sainz Jr. has done it. Melbourne 2015. And Max Verstappen would have scored in that race had he not had a failure. Some of it is a little bit variable. There is Kimi Raikkonen in 2001, uh, who assumed sixth when Olivier Panis was uh, sent back to seventh place for uh, for passing under yellow flags. And uh, Sebastian Vettel was on it in 2007. Guan Yu Zhou did it this year with, uh, with Alfa Romeo at Bahrain. Yuki Tsunoda did it last year in 2021 uh, with Alfa Tauri, which led Ross Braun to declare him the most exciting rookie that he'd seen in uh, many, many years. Um, I think his trajectory has dropped off a little bit since then. But there's there's so many names to have scored points in their debut. I believe Alain Prost has. Sebastian Bourdais, four-time uh, champ car winner, uh, also scored points on his debut despite having a disappointing Formula One career. Lots of, lots of names, uh, some truly exalted company that De Vries joins and maybe some, some lesser 
drivers as well who <laughs> lucked in. But yeah, no, there's it's such a smorgasbord of recognised drivers from across, not just F1, but different disciplines who have come into F1, scored points on their debut. Maybe it works out for them long term maybe it didn't but uh, it's a, a truly exciting list of drivers there absolutely and especially those names pre-2010 when it was it was 10th down to 8th or 10 points down to 1 point rather uh, from 1st to 8th uh, in the early noughties and then the sort of 90s point structure and you have to finish the top 6 to even score points and that is so really really impressive for those names you mentioned like Alan Prost and um, others in there now I was talking to our chief editor Kevin Turner and he gave me a name that he says I bet JBL doesn't mention this name and I think it's really unfair of him because this person <laughs> didn't score points on their debut, and yet they did score points on their debut. This person is a British racing driver that did a points-scoring finish when they appeared in Formula 1 in 1984, but also didn't score points. Does any of that sound too cryptic to even have a stab at who Kev was talking about. Very, very cryptic. <laughs> uh, it's really unfair of him to raise this one because it's 1984. like... 1984. Made his debut uh, in 84, British racing driver, scored points on his debut, but also didn't score points on his debut. Let me give you the answer because I'm like, Kev, this is too unfair because this is like, it's it's just a gotcha. Martin Brundle came into Formula One ah. with Tyrrell in 1984 uh, of and finished fifth in his first race in Brazil. He also scored uh, a second place in Detroit. But that year, Tyrrell were later disqualified from the World Championship because of a technical infringement and Martin Brundle would lose all of his points and therefore not... Officially, according to the record books, a point scorer on his debut, even though he was. And I said, Kev, that is a mean one to try and <laughs> trip up JBL. Uh, but I don't know. It's pretty obscure. But I'm still, annoyed I didn't get that. I'm really annoyed. I had no idea when he was telling me. I'm like, I would never get this in a million years. But you guys are the experts. So I was like, so there you go. Maybe next time uh, you're in the paddock and you see Martin Brundle and we're talking about points on debut, uh, maybe don't remind him of that because Formula One uh, drivers, are notoriously spiky when being reminded of bad things. Uh, but, but there we go. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today, uh, JBL. You. We really appreciate it. It's a good fun one. Really fun podcast to do today. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner message and data rates may apply guys got hair loss i know what you're thinking should i shave my head comb it over wear a hat 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.